Hey. Well, hey, so hey, so glad you're all here. Give yourselves a hand for making it through the first week of class. I have written down in my notes right here, welcome to Tuesday Night Live. You survived your first week of class and we're still on camp, camp, oh shoot. Well, hey, you know what? <laughs> who, who could say, who could say? Uh, so we're going we're gonna to make great on potentially the first and last Tuesday Night Live in person of the semester, but who could say? We'll see what happens, but we are so excited that you're here, excited you made your way all the way down the awkward hallway. It's like, oh, how many times do you wave down that hallway? I still haven't figured that out. So uh, anyways, my name is Josh. Um, it's nice to be with you tonight. Uh, my wife and I are the co-directors here of JMU Chi Alpha. Uh, we moved to Harrisonburg just over a year ago, and it's been a lot of fun to see what the Lord is doing and see what the Lord is doing in you and through you. And to think that uh, just one year ago, I didn't even know Chris. Uh, he pulled into TNL, and we didn't meet till kind of right before that. And to see what the Lord has done in him and to see our friendship grow, I'm just excited to see that happen all throughout this room tonight as you make friends with the people around you, as you find a small group leader as you find brothers and sisters, and we go on this journey of life together. So uh, a little bit about myself. I've got a picture here of my family to share with you. Oh my gosh, aren't they adorable? Oh man. So uh, that is my wife, Katie. She's got her name on her shirt, so that's nice. Uh, she's in the back. We have been married for 11 years. Boom, got them. Uh, we've been married for 11 years. We met in Chi Alpha. So, hey, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yes, there is. Uh, these are our four wonderful kids. Uh, Emma is the one right here with the name Emma on her shirt. Um, Emma is 10, right? That's how I know we've been married for 11 years because Emma is 10. Uh, she is in the fifth grade. Emma is uh, phenomenally smart. Like she is like out of this world smart. She probably right now, is reading probably about 1,000 to 1,200 pages a day. Um, she got five books from the library on Sunday, and she read them all by today, so she got five more books today. She's actually doing the reading that you're all supposed to be doing. Do you know what I mean? Like, like reading at that type of pace, that's what she's doing. Uh, Emma loves gymnastics. Um, she has mastered the one-handed cartwheel, um, which I'm pretty sure I would break my nose if I tried that. She's trying to get me to try it a few times, but uh, she can't make me. Um, and then she is just a lot of fun and completely adorable, and she loves to smile, so in for that. Uh, next to her is Levi in the Spider-Man hat. Uh, Levi is eight. Uh, Levi's going into the second grade. Levi is our super passionate child, uh, very empathetic. He is a feeler. He loves to cuddle. Um, he loves to, to care for people and make sure they're okay. Uh, Levi loves baseball and golf, uh, and then animals. Uh, Levi loves the wild crats, um, and so he knows everything there is to know about any type of animal. And so if you have any questions about how to get away from a black bear or a brown bear, he can tell you how to do that. Uh, if you want to know which one's bigger, he can tell you that. Um, and I believe uh, his current favorite animal, I don't know, he, he said he likes to change every house we move to. And so it used to be a cheetah because they're super fast, but I don't remember what they are. It is, anyways. Uh, so then next to him, the one that looks completely unengaged in the picture is Judah. Uh, it's because he was completely unengaged in the picture. Uh, Judah is, uh, let's say five. Yeah, Judah's five. Uh, he's going into kindergarten this year. 
Uh, he is in the dual language program here in Harrisonburg, so he'll do uh, one day in Spanish and one day in English, so super pumped for that. Uh, Judah is our most passionate child. Um, he's kind of on full tilt all the time. He's a runner, he's a jumper. Um, he is gonna be like the strongest of our kids probably. Um, and then uh, he is currently deciding uh, if he's gonna play golf right-handed or left-handed. Um, he, he can basically hit the ball just as far both ways and it's pretty impressive. Um, and so he's just kind of an aggressive child, so so in for that. Um, and then Esther, she's the one up there, the really adorable one. I mean, they're all adorable, but she's the really adorable one, if you know what I mean. Um, Esther is, uh, Esther's three. Um, do you know how many of these things I have to remember? Like, I don't know why you guys keep looking at me like that. Like, you guys had trouble writing down what your Duke's ID was, and I have to remember all these different birthdays. Uh, try like picking up pills at like the, the pharmacy. They're like, you like show up and you're like, I've got, I got a prescription for Levi Moran. They're like, uh, birthday. I'm like, well, I didn't know there was gonna be a quiz. Like, what do you, what do you mean birthday? Like, um, anyways, uh, <laughs> you can't take those things back. They're on the recording now, so <laughs> sorry about that, Levi. Um, so Esther is, uh, her middle name is Joy, and she, that is her, she's so full of joy. Um, currently, she's in a pretty big makeup phase, uh, thanks to Taryn, um, and so that's been great. She is a princess. She loves tutus and skirts. If it doesn't twirl, she's not going to wear it, um, and so she currently goes through three or four outfits a day, um, and it's pretty incredible. So that's our family. We also have a dog now. Uh, his name is Maverick. He is a rescue. He is two, turns three in November. Uh, if you want pictures of our dog, you're going to have to follow me on Instagram, so at jmoranxa, you can get that out right now, so just, uh, just trying to get, just, uh, just, just saying. Um, and so it's really hard to gather all of us for a family picture, and so that's why we haven't gotten along with the dog yet, but who could say? Maybe one day we will. So anyways, uh, this semester in Kyle Fall and Tuesday Night Live, we're so excited that you're here, we're going to be studying the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians is a book of the Bible that was written by the Apostle Paul. Um, and tonight, we're not going to be in 1 Corinthians. Okay, so I like set you up for 1 Corinthians, and I'm like, haha, not, not 1 Corinthians. Uh, tonight, we're going to take a look at Paul's uh, conversion story, Paul's transformation story that happens in the book of Acts. And so if you are here tonight and you don't have a Bible, and you're like, hey, I would love to have a Bible, and so uh, we have Bibles to give away for free right now. So you just want to throw your hand up. Uh, you can take this home with you. If you're ever like, man, I just wish I had a Bible, I'd love to read it, um, you can have one of those. You can keep it, not just because of COVID, but because we love you. Uh, or maybe you have the Bible on your phone, feel free to follow along there. We're going to be starting in Acts chapter 8. And so, But first, have you ever found yourself at a point in your life where you're doing something you never thought you would do? Maybe for some of you, it's sitting in this room right here, right now. You're doing something, you're like, I never thought I would be doing this. I never thought I would show up at a place like this. I never thought I'd be going to college during a pandemic. Right? Am I right? Am I right? So anyways, uh, during this pandemic season, I have had one of these experiences where I'm doing something that I never, ever, ever thought I would do again because I promised the world that I would never do it again. Okay, so uh, when I went to high school, I, when I graduated high school and went off to UVA to go to college, I weighed eh, around a buck five, okay? 
super small. Do you know what I mean? Like I heard that audible snort over there. I appreciate that. Um, and so like, what do you what do you do? Like it's like okay, so really into sports, uh, hyper competitive individual. It's like well, I guess it's gonna be running uh, because not a lot to move on this really small frame. Um, and so I ran cross country. I actually have some pictures. There, you, look at this. So uh, yeah, this is me right here with a really serious face. And this is me right here with the what happened, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> just to be clear, I beat both of these guys in this race, uh, probably not those guys. Um, and so I got really into competitive running, however, I hated it. Like, what is there to enjoy about running? Do you know what I mean? It's just miserable. Like, okay, you start in one place and you end in another place and like, it's up and down in between and like, there's like, you can't push the other people when people are looking, like there's, there's just like, it's just absolutely miserable. It's like, let me see how I can take my body through torture and like don't even get to play with a ball. Like this is miserable. So I hated it. So I never ran in the off season. I never ran, we weren't at practice. And if we were at practice, I tried to take a shortcut. Um, and so that was kind of my life. And so I did that. And then you can see the top, my mom saves newspaper articles and she laminated them. So that was really kind. I pulled them out of the file this past week. We had newspapers back, this is how we got the news. And you guys are like, what, people read the newspaper? Just old people like me. Um, and so uh, we advanced to regionals my senior year. Uh, I just found the sheet this past week. I ran a 17.28 5K. Dude, I was moving, right? Because there wasn't a lot to move, you know what I mean? Uh, so I advanced to regionals, I get there, and uh, you know, run the race and like whatever. I wasn't good enough to qualify for states, praise the Lord. And so it's like the season and my running life are over, right? I get, I get the popsicle stick with my number on it. I don't even care what the number says. I just know it's not a trip to states. And coach comes up to me and he's like, man, Josh, man, what a career. I said, coach, I'm never doing this again. I'm literally never going to run in my life, okay? I'm done. I'm not gonna pleasure run. I'm not gonna run any more races. It's over. He's like, rah, 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 something, something, something. It didn't matter to me what he said because I was done with it, okay? So then I go to college. And what happens in college? Everybody runs. It's like, what's wrong with you people? I know they took your cars from you, but like there were other ways to get places. Like, you don't have to do this to yourself. And there's like, there was like, and then like the 5K like phase like runs across America. Like, hey, let's do a 5K four, and then you just fill in the blank. Like, every, let's do a color run. Let's do a fun run. I'm like, no, you can't say fun run. That's not a thing. Like, nobody enjoys this. This is miserable. And people are paying money to do this, and they're getting T-shirts. And I'm like, no. You know the guy that ran the original marathon died. Like, that's what happened to him at the end. Okay, he ran, he got there, and he died because you shouldn't do this to your body. And I was like, I was like on the tear, like anti-running, never do this, stop it, absolutely not. And then, COVID. 14 years that I've told everyone, don't run, never run. You guys are all doing the math right now. How old is this guy? Super old. I'm so old, I bought new socks for tonight and it was the thing I was most excited about. I'm like, oh yes, they're, they're smart wool. Oh man, they feel great. They're no sweat ones too. Totally informed. So anyways, I got to stick to the notes here. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're, we live on Westview Street right off South Mason. You know, we, got a, we have a nice backyard, but we have kids everywhere, right? We have kids, we have a dog, like, and it's like nobody's allowed to go outside. And then all of a sudden, I'm wearing running shoes. And I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I wearing running shoes? And then all of a sudden, I'm on a run. And it's like, oh, no, now I'm running. And all of a sudden, I'm like doing it multiple times a week. And now I 
am running again. So I went for a run yesterday, took today off, don't worry, trying to, not trying to overdo it. You know, I don't want to be one of those people yet. Um, and so, but I went from being like adamantly against running. Like this is not a thing. Nobody should ever do this. Telling people to stop running. I would yell at people that were running as, as I drove by in my car, stop doing this to yourself. And all of a sudden, now here I am. And I'm not one of those weird people that like post their runs on the internet. I just texted to Chris. Um, and so I haven't gotten that far yet. But anyways, it's like, man, like how does this happen? And actually, that story is fun. And the goal was to make you laugh in some senses. But it's also to draw you into our text a little bit. Because this is the story with Paul. We're going to meet Paul in his pre-Paul state. The text is going to call him Saul. And what we're going to find out about Saul is that he was really, really, that's him right there, presumably. Uh, that's what the internet said, at least, my first uh, Google image hit for Paul. Right there it is. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. Yeah. So uh, I can see the resemblance. Yeah, you know, right? Uh, yeah. And <laughs> what we find out about Paul is that he was so anti the person that he would then become. So we're going to see how that story plays out. And so if you have your Bibles, or the Bibles that we gave you, which are also now your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 9. Uh, it's on page 1097 in my Bible, if that's helpful to you. 1097. <laughs> Acts 9. <laughs> Just flipping through his phone. So Acts is a book of the New Testament. It's right after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Acts is the second half of Luke, um, and so when Luke wrote Luke, he also wrote Acts. It's the story of the church and its formation. Uh, Luke is probably the smartest of the gospel writers. Uh, he was a doctor. He sets out to write an accurate description of what has happened, and so what we love uh, Luke and Acts because they give us a, a picture of a lot of different people that are in charge that we can then like post-state things and see how things happen and when they happen and how they happen. Luke takes a lot of care about the details, and then the first half of Acts is about Peter's journey. The second half is about Paul's journey. And so we kind of get to start in this story with Paul in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul, man, I just, I've been telling you guys the whole time his name is Paul, right? And now all of a sudden his name is Saul. Like, I really should have seen that. Now, this is something that's actually somewhat common in the text. Like, at different times when people have like radical stories like we're going to see, they change their names. Um, and so it happens a few times in the Old Testament. It happens a few times with the disciples as, as Jesus changes their names and different things. And so Saul is going to be his name right here. He will eventually go by Paul uh, as he writes letters to the churches all across um, the really the Eastern world. Um, and so just as you are thinking about Saul, you can think about Paul. It's, it's good because they're just one letter difference. And so... Like, that's easy. Uh, and so, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, now the way, what is that? So Jesus tells us in John's gospel that he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so what they, what they began to call people who would follow Jesus in his post-resurrection life was people who followed the way. Uh, right now, what we do, we call ourselves Christians, right? That doesn't happen until later in the book of Acts. They're first called that, I believe, at Antioch. And so at this point, they're just called people who follow the way. And Paul is like, yo, can I get some letters so that if I find them, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. 
And he neared Damascus on his journey, and suddenly, let's pause right there, before we get to the suddenly, because I'm going to keep you on that cliffhanger, like, suddenly. And so Paul, Saul, here in this moment, is like, he is breathing out uh, murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He's like going on this rampage. He's like, hey, you know what? It's actually not enough that I just terrorize the Christians that are near me, right? He's like, what I'm going to do, I'm going to write a letter to the high priest. I'm going to get some, uh, I'm going to get some permission to then take this show on the road. Do you know what I mean? Like, it is not enough for it to happen just right here. So now I'm going to go over out to Damascus. I'm going to go as far as I can go, and I'm going to find these people who are followers of the way. I'm going to bring them back, and I'm going to put them in jail. Some of you guys are like, yo, it's hard being a Christian at JMU. Can you imagine trying to be a Christian like when Paul's on the loose? Like He's like, I'm coming for you, and I've got a letter. Not the letter. I made a great face there, but you'll never know. Uh, you can picture it. Good, great. And so then, then this happens suddenly. Suddenly what happens? What is going to happen? And so let's see what happens. Everything is going to change from this moment on. It says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice to say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Uh, Saul makes the only logical question, like, who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. <laughs> Can you imagine this? This dude has like been on the rampage. He's been killing Christians. We find out earlier in the book of Acts, he's there for the stoning of Stephen. He's now trying to take the show on the road, and then all of a sudden, on his journey, the Lord shows up in a flash of light, and boom, knocks him down. I always pictured him on a camel, and so I always pictured the fall to be quite bad. Uh, he could have been walking, who could say? Uh, I think it's more fun to imagine a camel, because then he like really gets knocked down. And it's like, whoa, what happened? And he's like, who is this? And, and Jesus is like, yo, Saul, it's me. You know, the guy that you got the letters about, the guy that you're like persecuting all these people that follow me? Like, like why are you, like, it's me. And Paul's like, my bad. Like, uh, what, who, what? And Jesus is like, now just get up and go in the city, and you'll be told what you must do. I find that absolutely fascinating. Paul, the, the, the worst of the worst, right? The, like the baddest dude, like Jesus shows up, knocks him off his horse, and is not like, hey, why have you been doing this? Hey, I can't believe you did this. You're, gonna, you're going to jail. You're getting punished. This is the end of it for you, Paul. You're going down. He's like, no, actually, I'm a God of grace. I'm a God of mercy, I'm a God of justice, I'm a God that loves you, I've been pursuing you, and I finally found you, and now you finally found me, and so let's do this the right way. I have something for you to do. Go into the city. In a moment where Jesus could have really let him have it, in a moment where Jesus could have brought up every bad thing he had ever done, instead, Jesus is like, hey, there's work that must be done. Let's get to the city. And Paul's life dramatically changes in this moment. Can you imagine what that would have felt like? To have been knocked off your horse, to have been going to do something, and then all of a sudden you get brought on this other journey? Some of you, like you've gotten here tonight, and you're like, I don't know how I got here. This is not the journey I intended to go on. And you feel like you're having one of those moments. Maybe it was because of Chris's testimony. Maybe it was during the meditation. Maybe it's part of the reading of the scripture. And you're like, I'm not sure how I got here, but I feel like there's something here that I've been missing. This is the same experience that Paul is having. Some of you, 
Like you're in this room and you're like, no, I, I would consider myself a follower of Jesus. I'm one of the followers of the way. Paul was actually coming after me. Do you know what I mean? And you're wondering, how am I going to live like a Jesus person during uh, this pandemic? How am I going to live like a Jesus person during my time at college? Like, what is this going to look like? And that's what I love about the rest of our passage. So what we see is that Paul, Paul's like small journey right here is going to lay out some good principles for us as we journey with Jesus, as we think about a life with Jesus, and, and then as we think about going deeper in that relationship with Jesus. You've already heard it mentioned uh, a couple of times tonight, but in Kaapa, we have what we call the three anchors, and so they're right up here. Real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. And so we're going to see those three anchors play out through the rest of our text. And we believe that if you can understand to live devoted to Jesus, and if you can live that in community with other brothers and sisters, then if you can embrace the responsibility that God has given you, you can literally live for Jesus anywhere and everywhere. No matter what circumstances would surround you, no matter what pandemic hits, no matter where you would end up, that you can live vibrantly for Jesus, that you can go on the ride of a lifetime following and serving him as you embrace your real responsibility, lived out in real community, as you live a life devoted to Jesus. So let's see how this plays out in the text. We're now at verse 7. It says, The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. Some of you, like this is what it's going to be like when you leave the room tonight. The friends that you have, the people that you know, are going to be like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what happened at that Chi Alpha meeting. I don't know who you met there. I don't know why you think this is happening. I didn't see anything. I don't believe it. And I'm going to encourage you to press on to go a little bit deeper and to take a few more steps and see what the Lord would do. So what we know is that from this moment on, Paul is like, you know what, I'm going to forget the old life. I'm moving on to my new self. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to live devoted to Jesus. I'm going to live a life of real devotion. I'm going to live this life wholeheartedly. I'm not going to take any half steps into Jesus. I'm going to take a whole step into Jesus and see what it would be like to see if it's different, to see if it's new, to see if this is exactly what I've been longing for, see if this is exactly what I've been hoping for. So I'm going to take the full step, wholehearted devotion to Jesus. And then the text says, says uh, he says, <laughs> Saul got up from the ground. When he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. That's tough, right? Like, Paul is just like, he's just like, he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, but he stays devoted to Jesus. He stays devoted to this vision that he's had. He stays devoted to this one that has appeared to him. He's like, I'm going to see this thing out. Verse 10 says, In Damascus there was a disciple called Ananias. The Lord called to him in the vision. Ananias. That's a good one, Lord. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. And asked for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And so here we see God working through the community of, of, of believers that are there in Damascus that Paul is presumably chasing after, right? Ananias is the guy that Paul has been searching for. Ananias is the guy that Paul was hoping to bring back as a prisoner to Jerusalem. And the Lord appears to Ananias and says, Go over to Straight Street. 
And I want you to pray for this guy. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is, his name is Saul. He's from Tarsus. And so it's going to be great. And Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from all the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Like, hey, I'm going to need a little bit more information, Jesus. And so, like, what else do you have for me? But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized in Newman Lake. And after taking some food, he, it was super cold that night. Like, let me tell you. Um, he regained his strength. But what a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. What a beautiful picture of brothers supporting brothers. And so what we see here is that Ananias, is, he's a little skeptical at first. Like, am I going to show up to this core group? Like, this core group could be super weird. Like, I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know who these guys are. I don't know if I want to show up. Like, what if these girls don't like me? What if these girls, like... What if they're from Nova? They're, they're going to be from Nova. You should just go ahead and get over that. They're definitely going to be someone from Nova. Um, <laughs> that's tough. Um, and, and like, Ananias like pushes through that, and he shows up. And he's like, yo, Paul, Saul. Sorry, your name's not Paul yet, but it's going to be Paul. Yo, Saul, like, hey, the Lord appeared to me just like he did to you, and so I'm going to pray for you, and then boom. The scales fall off and Paul can see again. He eats, he regains his strength. And then the next, the next verse here, the second half of verse 19 says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Can you imagine the stories that they told? Like as Paul like shows up and he's like, hey guys, it's me. No, not like, not like that me. It's like a different me now. So like, and, and like they just start sharing about what the Lord has done. He's like, he knocked me off a camel. Like I was blind for three days. And then like, then all of a sudden I could see because this, like my brother over here. And like, and they just begin to share. And they're like, like man, this is amazing. They tell stories about what the Lord has done in their life. And they, they become brothers. They bond. They spend time with each other. This is the second anchor in Kyle It's real community. What we know is that Christianity is not a solo sport. That the idea of living in an individualized Western society where your Christianity is only about you is so foreign to the Gospels, is so foreign to the Acts narrative, is so foreign to Jesus that, that this life was meant to be lived in community. That our lives are better, our lives are richer as we have friends, as we loved and are loved in return, as we have people who are there with us. When you think about your best memories in your life, it's always someone who is there with you. And that this is what the church has to offer. This is what Kaiapa has to offer, is that we would be brothers, that we would be sisters, that we would go on this journey together. That we'd realize that it's not about like just doing this by ourselves or trying to get as far as we can on our own terms, but that we would go together and that we would go further because we go together that we would live this life in real community. And right now, you are all in a season of new beginnings, right? 
Paul in our, in our text is in a season of new beginning of his life, and you are also in a season of new beginnings. And what will the rest of your college time look like? Some of you are seniors. It's, it's your last first week of class, and you only got one. I mean, you're going to get two, but... Um, like, it, you know, some of you, like you're juniors, you're now the upper class people. Uh, and you're trying to figure out, like, what is the rest of your college career going to look like? Some of you in here, you're freshmen. Sophomores, sorry we left you out. That's just what happens when you're a sophomore. Um, and so, freshmen, like, this is, this is your first semester. Like, and you're like, well, what's this going to look like? What's this going to feel like? And you are in a season of new beginnings. Who are going to be my friends? And the question is, who are you going to do these new beginnings with? And what will that feel like? What will they encourage you towards? We saw some people in our text tonight that when Paul's like, yo, this happened, they're like, I don't know, man. We didn't see nothing. We didn't hear nothing. That doesn't feel quite right. And then we see Ananias, a new brother, show up to Paul and be like, brother, everybody knows what you've done. We're going to go from this point forward. We're going to put a stake in the ground and say, what is the rest? And we're going to live our lives as brothers. We're going to live our lives as sisters. We're going to go on this radical journey of community together. And so let's go see what it would have. So let's have a party. Let's hang out. Let's stay up all night and share stories. Let's, let's, let's go get a house together. Let's do this together. And my hope for you is that as you fill out these core group cards, as you join a core group this week, as you you know, go online with your core group the rest of the semester is that, that you find brothers and sisters and that they would be closer than family. We have some friends. I got a picture of some of our friends from Chi Alpha when we were students. Look at that, man. That is a super cool picture. Uh, we are on vacation together because that's what we do. The friendships that we built when we were in college, we continue to vacation together some 14 years afterwards. I look pretty good in that. Oh my. Yeah, so anyways. Um, and so these are our friends that we were in small group with, that we lived with when we were in Chi Alpha. And that now uh, you can see uh, one of their kids, they've all got a lot of kids and it's hard for me to keep track of anymore. Um, but our kids call them aunt and uncle because of the bonds that we built in college. It started out of a room like this that continued in a small group, that continued in a house, that continued through Kyle retreats, that continued through summers, and that the trajectory that we were set on for community, a community that was intentional, a community that was about lives living devoted to Jesus, changed our lives. And though we don't live in the same city anymore, we still stay connected. Um, Kai sitting right here beside me, there is, not a, there is not a single day that goes by that I don't talk to Kai. Um, through text, um, yeah, just through text mostly. Um, phone calls are weird, right? Like, and you guys are like the FaceTime generation. Like, you guys like walk around like FaceTiming each other, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I could just text him. Um, and so I'm trying to get better at that. So just bear with me. Like, dude, don't FaceTime me. Don't worry, I won't. <laughs> Gosh, he's weird. <laughs> Why did he say that? Um, and so, like, that, that is the hope as you move on this trajectory of community that you would live lives with each other on purpose, devoted to Jesus, and that you would find the best sisters you could ever find, that you would find the best brothers you could ever find, that you would vacation together, that you would hang out together, that you would move to the next city together, and that you would have your kids 
call them aunt and uncle because of the bonds are so deep with each other. And then verse 20, back in the text, it says, At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. So this is our last point. And so what we see here is that um, the last anchor of Caiaphas is real responsibility. And we believe that what God does in you, he wants to do through you. That we're not to be Christian cul-de-sacs where things just come in, but they never go out. But that instead, a life is lived better as we live in this community, as it comes into us, that it then goes out. And I am struck, so struck by, by the at once in this passage. It's like Paul's like, at once he began to preach in the synagogues. It's not like he's like, I'm going to wait till I get a degree. I'm going to wait until I know more. I'm going to wait till I read the whole Bible. He's like, no, I at once. This is so new. This is so exciting that I am ready to go and tell other people. And like, at once, and let's do this. And so what we believe in Caiaphas is that real responsibility, I want to break it down two ways. One is real responsibility means proclamation. Real responsibility means that we must say something. That we must tell our friends about Jesus. We must talk about Jesus. We must post about Jesus. That, that we want to take Jesus where Jesus doesn't yet exist. We don't want anyone to not know who Jesus is. And so we want to take Jesus to different campuses. That's why some of our students that are here went on spring break last semester to New York to see a new Chi Alpha that had just been started and to like talk with them and to see new students engage with the gospel. And that's why Chris and some friends went to India and to like to see the gospel interact with students that had never interacted with the gospel before, to see the gospel go where it has not yet gone. And that this is so exciting. This is what Paul would then devote the rest of his life to, right? As he goes and builds these churches, as he goes and writes these letters, and that you can go to some amazing places and do some amazing things as you journey with Jesus in proclamation, as you proclaim these good news, as you, as you sing the good news, as you rap the good news, as you write poetry about the good news, like, like as you engage with the people that are around you and you just talk about Jesus and what he's doing. And if he knocks you off a camel, you should tell people about it, right? And if you found a camel to ride here, let me know, because I enjoy riding camels. Um, I got to ride one in Egypt once, and, it, like, they are, man, like, they, like, fall down like this, and they stand up, and they're like, let's go. <laughs> so, <laughs> it would have been funnier if you could have seen my face. <laughs> I'm just going to hold on to that. And so, and then another, another thing that we believe when it comes to real responsibility, and I don't remember exactly how I have it worded here, so I just want to see it there. Real responsibility means caring about injustice. Right? Like, man, the gospel is so restorative. The gospel is so transfer, transformative. Yeah, I almost said transformationative, but that's not a word. The gospel is so transformative. The gospel is, is so beyond anything that we can comprehend in its fullness, in its mystery. But what I know is that God is a God that cares about injustice. That God is a God of justice, and he cares about equality. We see this all throughout Jesus' time. So we see, like, Jesus is, is like, traveling on, around the road, and, like, the way that Jesus treats poor people is different than anybody else treated poor people. The way that Jesus treated women is different than anybody treated women. Jesus is like, no, no, we're the same. Like, we are equals. Like, he raises women up to positions of power and to positions of leadership. And, like, that is so foreign in, in the world that Jesus lived in. He's like, no, this is what it is. We see Jesus interact with different races, and he's like, why are you guys, like, freaking out about this race thing? Like, we're the same. Like, we, this is all together. We can all worship on, at the same place. 
That is who I am. And so in Kaiapa, we believe that real responsibility means that we need to care about these things. That not only do we speak up about Jesus, but we speak up about injustice. That we speak up about equality. That we care for our brothers and sisters in communities that are hurting. That we care for our brothers and sisters in communities that have no voice. And that we, the church, become the voice. That we use the power that God has given us for good instead of just to get more power. But that instead, we find ways to lift voices. We find ways to promote equality. We find ways to tear down systems of injustice so that justice may prevail. And that this is, then as we do this, we bring about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God and its rule and in its reign happens as we tear down systems that would desire to see that kingdom not flourish. And so we want to be a community that, that looks like heaven, that looks diverse in every aspect of that word. That there would never be any cookie-cutter Kyophan. This is what it means to be in Kyophan. This is, this is the major, this is the hometown, like this is, this is who you hang out with. No, but that, that we would look like a diverse body of believers and that we would get out of the way that we would let God's kingdom come on earth and that we would see diversity, that we would see equality, that we would see this happen all throughout our campus, that we would see this happen in the families that you will eventually start, that we'll see this happen in our world, and it could start here one disciple at a time. Our text closes tonight in verse 31. I'm going to skip down a few verses there. It says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace, come Lord Jesus, and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. And I'm not here to talk about just increasing in numbers, but what I am here to talk about is that we would see the kingdom increase in your lives, in our community's lives, and here at JMU, and that we would see the kingdom increase as we live these lives of real devotion in real community and embracing real responsibility. So at this point, I'm just going to give you just some time, uh, some moments. I'm going to lead you in some guided reflection here. And so if Rachel or Julia want to come up and just play the guitar in the background a little bit. I think we have a guitar. Who could say? Yes, we do. Nice. I would play it, but I can't. <laughs> I have no idea how. Um, and so some of you, as you're here right now, if you want to close your eyes, you're welcome to. If you just want to sit in the Lord's presence, you're welcome to do that too. Some of you, you're here right now, and you're like Paul at the beginning of our story. You never saw yourself coming to a Kalpha meeting. You never saw yourself wanting to be here. You're not exactly sure how you got here. Somebody brought you. Somebody invited you. But you feel like, man, this is for me. Like this is, this, is what, this is what I've been searching for. I didn't have names for it. I didn't have the words for it. I haven't had the vocabulary for it until tonight. But I can sense what Chris was sensing as he shared his story. I can sense this feeling that I've come to the end of my rope and I don't want to be here anymore. I want to take a full step into Jesus. I want to live a life devoted to him. I want to step in wholeheartedly. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're like, man, I've been living half in and half out for too long. And it's exhausting. I can't do it anymore. I don't want to try to pretend to be one way on Sunday and Tuesday. 
and then be a different way the rest of the week. And so I need the Lord's help to take that full step of devotion. If you feel like that's you tonight, I'm going to give you a chance to respond just by lifting up your hand. You don't have to put it far above your head. You can just lift it up just so that I can see it. I'm not going to do anything with this information. I'm going to encourage you to just talk to whoever came with you, to debrief with them about the Lord, what the Lord's been speaking to you, what you feel like the Lord, what you've been sensing. And maybe it's not exact words, but you're like, there is something there, and I just want somebody to walk with me through that process. And so if that's you, I'm going to give you a chance just to put your hand up right now and say, yes, I want to take that full step of devotion. Yes. As I've been here for a week, I'm just not sure which way I'm going to go or what this is going to look like. So I just want to take that journey into Damascus. Have those scales knocked off. And live a life of devotion. Would there be any more hands that would want to be raised right now to see the kingdom expand in your life right here, right now? Amen. For others of you, as you sit here tonight, as we talked about the three different anchors and saw them play out in Paul's life, you're like, man, I need, I need friends that are going to encourage me on this road. Or, man, I need to start telling my friends about what I've seen on this road. And that maybe, as you've been starting this semester, you're like, I really need community. I need sisters in my life that are going to encourage me. I want that deep friendship. So I'm going to encourage you as you leave tonight to grab who you came with and, and say, hey, let's be brothers in this. Let's be sisters in this. Challenge me, encourage me, equip me so that I don't fall to places that I don't want to go. I want to go with you. You're the one I want to journey with. And others of you, like, you need to take that radical step of proclamation. You need to start speaking up in your classes, in your halls, in your apartments about what Jesus has done in you and, and now what he wants to do through you. And others of you, you need to open your eyes to the injustice that is around you and to, to be a justice bringer, to be a peacekeeper, and to be someone who would fight for equality for the brothers and sisters that are around you and surround you in Harrisonburg, in the Shenandoah Valley, and in this world, be someone who would bring radical justice. I'm just going to pray for us. Gracious God, we thank you just for the gift that it is to gather here tonight, that we can gather at this great university and that we can see friendships form. And so, God, I pray that you would do powerful things among these people as they gather tonight. God, I pray that as they go throughout the rest of their week, that they would sense your spirit, that they would have the longings of God in their life. And God, I pray that as they, they take steps of faith and join core groups these next two days, that, that they would see their lives radically transformed, and that they would find friends they never thought they could have had, and that they would be able to share deeply, to love freely, 
and to go on the journey of a lifetime of following you, that the adventure is so fun, that it's never boring, and you never know what's going to happen as we follow you wholeheartedly. So come quickly, Lord Jesus, we love you. In the strong name of Jesus we pray. Amen.